This SoFi podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The Car Guys Report Informed Automotive is up next, but first, take a listen to this other fine OPI show. I'm Howard Sudbury. And I'm Steve Baskerville. On the next Back to You, we get into the holiday spirit, and we have some lists that we have assembled, Steve. Oh, wait till you hear my favorite songs. I got five favorite holiday songs. I got five favorite movies coming at you, and you got the same thing, right? I have some of the same ones that you do, so people are probably on the edge their chairs waiting to hear what we picked because we got the spirit for the holidays we got the spirit and so will you on the next back to you back to you with howard sudbury and steve baskerville you can find back to you on spotify opishows.com or wherever you find podcasts just search for radio misfits the following is a tony lasano podcast and opi show on the radio misfits podcast network this is the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. Certainly glad to have you with us. I'm Mark Vernon, along with Lou Costable, and this is another episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. And we have uh, you, we have uh, brought you back to your regularly scheduled programming. Our last episode was just a, a BS session, and here we're going to cover the usual format, as we usually do on the uh, Car Guys Report. Always entertaining, always something interesting that we cover and talk about, so I'm sure you will enjoy this episode just as much as every other episode that we have been doing and as we do at the top of every episode here lou we always talk about what's going on in our car world or anything like that and don't really have any issues with uh, any of my cars right now things are uh, rolling along quite well i do have some maintenance coming up on my porsche cayenne which i'm gonna have to get taken care of uh one of these uh, weeks but I'm not in a big hurry uh, right now for that. But um, did want to talk about some of the cars I've spotted. You said that uh, we could also add to what cars has Lou ridden in lately. So if you have any of those, we'll, we'll cover them after I run through my list of spotteds on the road and it's interesting because uh, my girlfriend's uncle is a great guy, and he's not really a car guy. I drug him to a, um, dragged him to a, a Cars and Coffee uh, about a year ago, and he had, uh, he had a really good time. He really was enjoying looking at cars as far as like uh, them being historical and being an art form and from the design elements and things like that, which is fine because I do think that's a big part of what uh, cars are about, and that's one reason that we, we like them so much. But I think I have trained him now to keep his eyes open for interesting vehicles because he spotted and sent me a picture of a very nice-looking uh, all-original black Triumph TR4A, and uh, it was great. It had the wire wheels on it and everything, and I'm like, wow, there's a guy that I've trained to be a car spotter. So congratulations to... Uh, uh, my girlfriend's uncle for uh, sending that one along to the Car Guys uh, report, Car Guys report at hotmail.com. Also, I saw a cream over green Morgan. You don't see too many Morgans uh, out in the wild uh, on the roads. You see them at British car shows, but uh, always a joy to see a, a Morgan on the road. And then two other interesting cars a Marlboro livery Subaru WRX. Now, I don't know why it was uh, Festooned in Marlboro cigarette livery, uh, white, black, and red were the primary colors on that. But that was a Subaru WRX. And then in the same day, and I don't know if it was the same car, it could have been, but I saw what I thought were two black Rolls-Royce sedans. It'd be the Rolls-Royce Ghost with the uh, suicide doors, uh, huge, uh, you know, 18-foot-long uh, four-door uh, rolling sedan uh, with suicide doors. So that was uh, all spotted uh, pretty much on the same uh, weekend, I believe. So some interesting cars on that list. And uh, do you have any Morgans on your, um, on your channel, Lou? I do have uh, I do have one Morgan on the channel. Is it a four wheel or a three wheel? It's a three wheel, but I'd like to get a four wheel on the yeah. channel. Yeah. Okay. Those uh, three yeah. wheels are oddballs, but they're they people love them. Yeah. No. It, it's it's a pretty uh, um, you know it's, it, you're you're driving in a, uh, a, a tor- torpedo, 
with uh, with an engine strapped to the front of it and two wheels, and uh, <laughs> the back end of the torpedo has got a wheel on the center. It's, it's cool. It is. Is there anything that you have um, ridden in lately of note? I know that you can't always be riding in something exciting other than your Ford Explorer and your Dodge Viper, but um, you had uh, talked about the TR3 uh, right-hand drive experience that you had, and I'm glad that you've added as much as you can to a lot of your videos that, that you actually take the car out and at least ride in it, because I think that's a great way to experience. You know, there's one thing is just seeing a car parked, and then other times when you're seeing it run, and then when you actually see it and experience it driving, as a whole, adds a whole other dimension to everything, I think. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, um, a little bit of that, and, and this is a good time to explain that, a little bit of that is based on just what we just talked about, is time. And I'll be specific. So when you're at a car show, you know, a couple of things happen. Number one, usually when a car show, the person doesn't bring what I call trunk and treats, which means all of their car brochures and all of they they, ha- they usually have that stuff, but it's usually on their shelf at home collecting dust. And then the second thing is at a car show, you know, especially if it's an indoor car show, well, you're not going to be able to take a car much for a ride because you're, well, indoors. So uh, those are videos that I call just the review. So I do the front, the side, the back, the interior, uh, the trunk. We'll start it up. We'll get a little rev. We'll, well, usually get a big rev. And uh, we'll both have that silly, you know, nine-year-old look on our faces of uh, going in enjoyment. And then we shut it down. So that's the review. But uh, when I can get what I call... Uh, the full experience of my car story. That's where you see the car drive by, and then there's the review, which I just talked about, and then there's a ride, and then there's another drive by of the car kind of going by you again. So whenever you can get car in motion and get a ride and hear the experience, and usually the banter in the ride is a lot like the banter that we have on the channel. It's usually just fun and enjoyment. So uh, I think people get a lot of uh, a good time out of that. Well, it's one of the f- favorite things that I always like to do um, at a car show or a Cars and Coffee is, you know, enjoy the cars driving in or leaving because it's one thing seeing them park, but then you really want to hear them and you want to see them drive and things like that. And that, to me, that's always exciting. And I remember for years, I mean, 20, 20 almost 30 years ago, you know, I, I've been going to the uh, a local British car show for so long, and I always wanted to see the cars either coming or going into the show because you would see such a wide variety of, of cars that you just don't normally see, stuff like Morgans and the Aston Martins and just a lot of really neat stuff. So, yeah, it's definitely a, 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 a good sensory experience, I think, too, to add to the uh, – to the videos, so um, that's a well, good thing me, to know let me, about. Let me answer your question. So you said, "Louis, you written on anything interesting?" Yeah. So uh, the answer to that is yes. So uh, while I was out here in Arizona, um, I went to a car show, and a gentleman had what's called a, a Ferrari 488 Pista, P-I-S-T-A, and uh, I realized as we were driving in it. Uh, here in Arizona, why they call it a pizza because he almost made the pizza in my pants. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it was uh, it was quite uh, it was quite the experience, and uh, I used that line in the car while we were riding because uh, I, I you know he's driving and he has a silly grin on his face as we're blowing through the gears from the paddle shift, and uh, you know I finally just said to him, I said, "Wow!" I said, "Now I know why they call it the pizza." And there was a moment because I pieced it, almost pieced it my pants. <laughs> <laughs> That's why there was plastic on the seat, right? Well, yeah, this is, uh, I, I, I refrained. I, I held everything in, so there was no uh, challenges. It wasn't like grandma's seats back uh, in the day with the plastic coverings that were needed, so we were all safe. And that was a V8, correct, in that car? Uh, that one actually uh, is a, a turbocharged 3.9 liter. V8. So. I, yeah, it's a V8. I think that yeah. is a V8. Yeah. yeah. And I was yeah. going to say, I mean, the sound that those engines make are just, uh, you know, a symphony for your car guy ears. Oh, yeah. It's uh, it's a delightful treat. There's absolutely no question about that. I mean, uh, yeah, it's, it's really good stuff. And, and you'll be able to hear some of that. Uh, that car will be uh, coming up. By the time we have these, this episode, stay tuned because it won't be on the channel yet. But uh Stay tuned to the YouTube channel, My Car Story with Lou. Hit the subscribe, and then there's a little bell. And if you hit the bell, you'll see all the upcoming episodes, and you'll be able to see that uh, 2020 Ferrari Pista 
488 pista uh, in its uh, in its glory. And it's uh, I'll, I'll give a little more to the. There were actually three of them at the show. They're a limited edition car, and I chose the color uh, that. Uh, and I'm not going to tell the color right now, <laughs> but. Uh, I chose the color that I felt was my favorite color of the three. If I was going to choose a Ferrari 48 Pista, this was the color. I said that one could be. Wow. Come home. Wow. Uh, two real quick questions is: yeah. Can I guess what the three colors were without you divulging the one that you picked? Because usually you think Ferraris are going to be red. So yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I would say well, question. obviously and one I, of them had I, one had to be right. red. Yep. Uh, one was probably like silver or gray. Mm-hmm. Really? And one was, yeah. uh, let me go with yellow. It was not yellow. No. White? I'm not, you're going to have to watch the show. Okay. <laughs> well, I got two out of the three. That isn't bad. Yeah. And then what is yeah. what makes it a special the edition? I, the, reason, the reason why I can't tell you the third is because it's the color that I chose. Oh, oh then it's blue. I know that then. Blue and we'll blue. See. Blue and blue go together like glue. So uh, the piece, though, what makes it a special edition? So now here's now here's the question: Will Mark be right? Yeah. Stay tuned <laughs> yeah. To YouTube and see if Mark gets that one right. Is Mark a hundred percent right? Mark on? is a hundred percent right. He knows it, but you're not saying. But anyway, what makes it a piece? Of, what what is the uh, uh, limited edition aspect of it? Okay. Yeah. So, so the very obvious thing to the piece, though. Uh, versus the, the 488 is a twin turboed 4, eight, uh, 458. Okay. okay. So that's the difference between the two. And there is some body dynamics. Okay. So they're not an identical car. Um, but the piece, though, what makes it uh, limited is they actually take the front end of the car and they basically, from the ground up, blow a hole through the hood. Oh, and yeah. Actually, if, you're, if you're looking. If you're standing by the front wheel yeah. looking at the hood, it actually you can see the ground. I mean, okay. it, it, it angles like a like a slide at a child's playground, right from the hood, right to the ground. And that's an aerodynamic so, aid design. It's an aerodynamic yeah. aid. Yeah. yeah. So you have a you have a bumper, and then it, the air c- hooks up under the bumper, hits the front of the car, pushes the front of the car down, oh, and it yeah. hits that. And it and uh, it's kind of interesting when you open the hood. The hood will have this big, wide gaping oval in it, you know. So there's a portion of the hood that's part of the bumper, and then there's a portion of the hood that's, well, part of the hood. So, uh, or I should call it the trunk. It's probably more accurate. So, because uh, obviously the engine's in the back of the thing. So. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's. I do remember seeing something about that in one of the car magazines. And when you said it's got that hole or the gap or whatever in front, then I'm like, oh yeah, that that is so cool. That is very it, neat. It, it, it is it is pretty cool. There's no there's no doubt about that. And um, yeah, stay tuned to the channel. Awesome, that sounds good. Be sure to tell a friend about uh, the Car Guys Report. We're on Spotify. You can go to opishows.com. You can also uh, search for us online at radiomisfits.com. And just in case you don't know yet, we are also available now on Amazon podcasts, Amazon Music Podcasts, Amazon Audible. Uh, just go to Amazon and uh, you can uh, search us out uh, with their podcast platform, and we're glad to be there. You can email us at any time, Report at hotmail.com is our email address, our email inbox open 24-7 for your comments, suggestions, complaints, kudos, whatever you want, Report at hotmail.com is the uh email address to reach us at and we are the car guys report informed automotive mark vernon along with uh, lou costable and lou i've been kind of looking forward to talking about this uh subject uh just because it kind of uh, reinforces some of my fairly strongly held beliefs what the heck am i talking about well this uh appeared online from car and driver uh, recently about a study that the american automobile association better known as triple a did that says driver assist technology is not as reliable as you may think. Really? Boy, I could have told you that. So my uh, acronym here was ADAS, which stands for Advanced Driver Assistance Systems. And I wrote down ADAS equals ass. <laughs> so because I've talked about this, you know, periodically on our program that I'm not a big proponent of all this, uh, you know, uh, uh, lane keep assist, um, automated uh, cruise controls, self-driving stuff. I just 
think that all these advanced things that they're putting in cars are, are doing nothing but diminishing the driver's capabilities because they just think that, oh, well, my car knows when to stop, and I'm not going to hit that because the car knows that there's a brick wall in front of me, and I don't have to react. And this kind of this study that the uh, AAA did kind of supports some of that. They said that AAA studied five different 2019 and 2020 vehicles and found that the systems on average experienced issues every eight miles. So, and another way of saying that, they concluded that drivers should always remain attentive while using an ADAS system, which obviously they don't because they're always on their phone, and it and that they had bad experiences. If they had bad experiences previously with an ADAS system, they will be less willing to accept fully autonomous systems in the future, which I think is actually a good outcome because, again, I'm not crazy about self-driving technology. But they said here, the systems in the five vehicles that AAA tested experienced on average one issue, such as the need for the driver to act quickly to keep the vehicle centered in a lane every eight miles. The safety benefits of such systems, the study concluded, aren't reliable. The systems become particularly dangerous when drivers... Get this now, what I've been saying, over-rely on the technology and don't notice when the systems disengage, which they often do with little notice. Of all the errors that the systems made on open road testing, 73% involved instances of lane departure or erratic lane position. Um, so basically what this is saying is that you know, this stuff works, but it doesn't work flawlessly. It doesn't work, you know to the point where you can just not pay attention to what you're doing behind the wheel. And that's really the, the problem that I have, that people get used to this and they think that their car is going to compensate for all manner of things happening on the road when you have to be paying attention and be ready to intervene and take control of the car, uh, you know, at a moment's notice, like they said. Um they said human error contributes to 94% of all crashes, which is why we are focused on advancing driver assistant technologies that can help significantly enhance safety, said Wade Newton, the VP, VP of Communications for the Alliance for Automotive Innovation. However, as we integrate these increasingly advanced driver assistance features into more vehicles, it is critical that drivers fully understand the system's capabilities and their limitations as well as their responsibility as a driver. And that's, I think, what I've just been trying to drive home. Not that I do it incessantly, incessantly but you know, I think that some of these systems are good. But I think that the whole idea of, of fully self-driving cars, autonomous vehicles, is being pushed still by some manufacturers, Tesla being one of them, actually, at too great of a pace. And I think that there's just a lot of people that aren't willing to accept all this stuff right away. And I just hope that the people that have become to rely on some of these uh, ADAS systems don't rely that on them you know to become using them as a crutch and just saying like well i don't have to worry about anything so i don't know that's kind of where i stand i know that you're kind of back and forth on it because you don't have on your cars the newest car you have is what a, a, a you have a honda that's fairly new don't you i've got well the newest one i have is a is a lincoln or the lincoln um, yeah the mkx right or uh, mk mkz MK you know, yeah or c yeah i can never and that yeah, has so, that has uh, blind spot monitoring, I believe. Mm -hmm, yeah. Does it have radar cruise control on it, no. like automatic cruise control? It doesn't have that. No, I will say that I've driven a new Cadillac that has that. Yeah, and, you have. Uh, We've talked about that. Yeah, the 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 self uh, whatever Cadillac calls its system. I can't remember the GM system, which is supposed to be pretty good, actually. And you said it was pretty cool, right? Yeah, it was. It was pretty cool. I mean. Uh, um, in my opinion, you know, you have to get a little bit used to it that you're not in control and you're just kind of floating. Along. Yeah, I would floating along. This was this was a pretty high powered Cadillac at the time, so we were really rolling along. But uh, uh, you know, to, to give something that's you know, it's almost like you're 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 driving in a, in a space shuttle because you're trusting it to get you where you need to go, and you're you know just along for the ride for no better term. Um, but, you know, the thing that, 
you know, the the most advanced stuff I have on any car, I don't have, I didn't want, when I ordered my Mercedes eight years ago, I didn't want uh, one of the technology packages. I didn't want the lane departure warning. I didn't want the um, Distronic cruise control. I didn't want any of that garbage. So all it has, it doesn't have, it doesn't have blind spot monitoring. It doesn't have any of that. It doesn't have rear cross path detection or, or even proximity sensors, which is great because I didn't want that. On the Dodge Challenger that I recently purchased, brand new 2020 Challenger, because I got the upgraded uh, interior, the seats, the leather Alcantara seats, that comes with the, what they call the convenience package, which adds uh, rear cross path detection and blind spot monitoring, which I will say that given the size of the, of the Challenger and the somewhat limited rearward and three-quarter view visibility from the driver's seat, rear cross path detection is nice, and the blind spot monitoring does help. I still always do a shoulder check regardless, but just knowing that there's something there or potentially there helps out. But I, regardless of what, if the triangle is illuminated in the mirror or not, if it's illuminated, I'm still doing a, a check. And even if it's not illuminated, I'm still doing a check because there could still be someone coming up fast uh, on my side and I wouldn't necessarily see them unless I looked. So I, I use them as, as, as an assistant, you know, advanced driver's assistant systems. And I use that as an assistant, but I don't use it as a replacement. I think that's really kind of what I'm driving home is the fact that there's just not enough people that I think are using these. They're using them too much as a, as a crutch and a, rely, a, rel, a reliance on them. And that's the only thing that really kind of just bugs me. But we're going to be reading and hearing a lot more about all this stuff because there's almost every car these days, especially the Asian makes, the Subarus and the Toyotas and stuff, they come standard with all this stuff now. And it's not just blind spot monitoring, but it's lane departure warning. It's um, the automatic cruise control. It's the automatic emergency braking. Um, some cars have automatic rear emergency braking now, which is something that has popped up in the last year or two, which I didn't even know until I started seeing it come up on standard lists of safety features. So, you know, where is it all going to stop or, or end? Who knows? But I just definitely wanted to uh, talk about that because it's something that, um, you know, I, I will still kind of just rail against here and there on the on the Car Guys report informed automotive. But uh, we're at the point in the program where we like to talk about a car that was either for sale or uh, for auction, uh, either online or somewhere else that either sold, didn't sell or still for sale. And we use uh, Bring a Trailer a lot to get some of these uh, cars because Bring a Trailer is just a great auction uh, site. And this is an oddball car, and you can barely call it a car, but it is street legal. At least it was in England. Uh, and I bet you don't have one of these on your YouTube channel, Lou. A 1964 Peel P50. Now, if you had a Peel, I'd be very impressed. Not that I'm already impressed with your with your YouTube channel, but... Do you even know what a peel is? Your disappointment level monitor just went up. Yeah. <laughs> one of the, uh, the, the deposits out of the uh, of, our, of our checking account friendship <laughs> and the YouTube channel. So no, I do not have one of those. And what a peel is? It's this oddball little car. If you remember, about ten years ago on Top Gear, the original Top Gear, Jeremy Clarkson. Uh, was driving one of these things around in London, and he actually brought it inside the BBC building because the car is so small. It's a three, it's a one-seater, three-wheel car. The dimensions are 54 inches long, 39 inches wide, and it's 130 pounds unladen weight. So that's without the driver. So literally, it's almost like a suitcase. And this thing has a uh, 49cc single-cylinder two-stroke engine in it from DKW. It's three wheels, three wheels, very small front wheels and a small rear wheel. It really looks just kind of like a little pod on wheels. They made, uh, this one was one of, one of 50 that were made, apparently, I don't know if it's total production or just for 1964, but this was a Canadian market 1964 Peel P50 that did not sell on Bring a Trailer. And the thing that really surprised me about this, Lou, is the fact that not that it didn't sell, but that it got bid up to $78,000 and it still didn't sell. 
And this thing, when you look at it, and like, who in their right mind would pay $78,000 for this thing? And it still didn't sell. So they still obviously had a higher reserve on it than that. It was fully restored. It looks nice, but it's just such an oddball. And you wouldn't feel safe driving this thing around anywhere, even though it, it was at least legal in, in England. I don't think it'd be legal here, but it had headlights, taillights, and I think a horn and turn signals. But you wouldn't want to be caught driving that thing anywhere except out like on a tennis court or something like that but just an oddball car and i'm thinking are they really worth that much someone was willing to pay seventy eight thousand dollars and they didn't get it i don't get you it know, I, the thing that's fun about the, about our, our, our podcast or the channel is that you know as long as you think you know something the more you think you know something, the more you find out you don't know a thing. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, you're talking about a car I've never even heard of, and I've got 1,500 different cars on the channel, let alone those are cars that I picked between people who have maybe 10 cars, and I picked their top two. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, you know, I just got an email the other day from, uh, a matter of fact, today uh, from Australia showing me one of their 1974-door uh, race cars that went for something like four hundred thousand dollars, and it didn't have an engine. Yeah, you know the thing was just a shell. So I mean, you know the level of passion that people have towards cars, and this is a car I'd never even heard of. Um, let me let me give it the proper due, just so I could tell you what it is. Um, and in fact, I replied to him, and I said to him in the reply, I said, "Boy, I've never even heard of that car." Uh, it was called a Ford Falcon XY GT HO Phase 3. <laughs> what the hell is that? <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, $400,000 without a... With, and here's the best part. This thing not only didn't have an engine that sold for that much money, but apparently the guy who had it, it either his wife or his girlfriend, decided to take an axe to it. Ugh. So they took an axe to the car. There were 32 strikes on the car of axe chops, and it still sold for $400,000. So this is what I'm talking about, about this show. Uh, you know, we try to find the stuff that even for people who know cars, maybe you know a brand of cars, you're the Chevy expert, you're the uh, Corvette expert, you know the brand, you, you're the, uh, you know, it's just, it's just un, the, the amount of knowledge is unlimited. That's true. And if you ever, I'm sure it's online somewhere, um, that episode of Top Gear, if you go to Google, you'd probably type in Peel P50 Top Gear, and you'll probably find that episode where Jerry McClarkson's driving this thing around. It, it's so small, he actually put it into the elevator. He drove it <laughs> into the elevator and went up to la, one of the other floors of the BBC, and he's checking out the newscaster and going like, wow, she's got a nice butt. And it was pretty hilarious, but the car is just a, it's just a hoot. I mean, it's like, think of a kind of like, the only thing you could even vaguely compare it to would be even like a like a uh, BMW Isetta, but even like literally a quarter of the size of that. I mean, it's just so unbelievably diminutive in its size that it, you just have to you know imagine why someone would want to pay seventy eight thousand dollars for this car and they still didn't get it. So that's the kind of stuff you can see on Bring a Trailer from time to time too, which is awesome. I mean, they have always a great selection of cars that are. Uh, on auction, you know, Ferraris, Porsches, you know, a lot of just European supercars, classics, things like that. But then oddballs like this, some very interesting Japanese domestic market cars that uh, come across the block there. So if you haven't checked it out, definitely do so. Bringatrailer.com is the uh, auction site that uh, is a great place to start uh, a uh, classic car search if you're interested in a classic or a uh, special interest auto. If you like the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, be sure to check out some of the other programs that are available on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Like the show, back to you. It's our buddies. What do you know? It's an OPI show. Legendary Chicago TV personalities Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville talk about their daily adventures and the long list of what bugs them. Although when we were on their program, Lou, they didn't really talk about things that were bugging them. So that was kind of nice. You can listen to Back to You on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts, just search for Radio Misfits, and that's where you'll find us. The Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Mark Vernon, along with Lou Costable and... 
Lou, I came across this uh, article online from Motorious, and uh, it has a little bit to do with the uh, pandemic uh, situation that we're going through. Obviously, um, attendance at hotels and resorts is is down uh, because people are, if they're choosing to travel, they're choosing to maybe do it in uh, with a camper or an RV or something, not really wanting to stay in a uh, hotel or a luxury resort. But there are some uh, luxury hotels and resorts around the world that are doing what they can to try to get people to uh, visit and stay. And what some of them are doing are providing luxury or classic cars for their guests to tool around in while they're staying at the uh, uh, hotel or um, inn. And one of the ones that they highlight is really not that far from where the Car Guys Report uh, calls home, which would be the Chicagoland area. Uh, uh, They're talking about the Grand Geneva Resort and Spa up in uh, Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. Uh, If you don't know about the Grand Geneva, I've driven by it many times. It's a 1,300-acre resort in Lake Geneva. It's a triple-A four-diamond resort with top-notch amenities. You need a deep wallet to stay there. But get this, Lou, and this is right up your alley. Uh, They have a stable of classic muscle cars that you can rent, including a 1968 Pontiac GTO, a 1970 Mercury Cougar Convertible, a 74 Pontiac Firebird, and a 1965 Shelby Cobra Tribute. And that is just uh, an hour and a half away from where we are, Lou. So <laughs> instead of going to Arizona, head up to, uh, head up to Lake Geneva and say, Dear uh, Wife... Kathy, right? That's her name, right? Isn't it Kathy? No, it isn't. My I'm sorry. It's Donna. Donna. That's it. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know why I said Kathy. Let's get, get the 1968 Pontiac Kathy. GTO. <laughs> we can bring Kathy. We'll bring Kathy in the GTO. I don't know who Kathy is. It's not well, my girlfriend. Can, hey, as long as there's GTOs close to us, we're getting in the car. Anybody <laughs> wants to put it on. Kathy, Donna, Joey, whoever wants to jump in. You can jump in. We all go. I, um... I uh, added my own little uh, footnote to this article because I'm saying I, I said okay, well, what what uh, the Grand Geneva has is it's a, not a not a bad lineup of cars, but I said I want a hotel or bed and breakfast to have, and this is my list of cars they should have in staff: a two stroke a two stroke Saab ninety six, a Borg Ward Isabella, or a Renault R sixteen, or if they really want to go. And tickle my fancy, a Panard 24BT that's got a flat twin engine in it from 1967, and I would say that is luxury living. And uh, if you have a Panard, if you have a Panard 24BT on your on your channel too, Lou, I would just love to see that. But I don't think you're going to be seeing a Panard G. 24 BT anytime soon, but if you don't know what that car is, look it up, and I think you'll be incredibly impressed by what it is. It's a, one of the coolest cars I've ever I've ever seen. But uh, an interesting article on uh, classic cars being offered for rent at high end luxury resorts and uh, spas and things like that. And I think I hear Lou talking to uh, Expedia right now, trying to make a, a reservation at the Grand uh, Geneva and seeing if that GTO is available. So hmm. there are actually some nice roads around the Lake Geneva area, too, that you could actually enjoy those cars on. So, you know, another reason to. Uh, to uh, get your wife up there and and uh, go for a drive and uh, live large for a little while, as they say. Yeah, that sounds like fun. Yeah, it would, be, it would be very cool. We have sanitized all OPI shows for your protection, but you should still be wearing a mask. Help prevent the spread of COVID-19 by following the CDC guidelines. You'll be saving the world and also be sure to wash your hands uh, very often. That's what we're going to do right now. It gets a little dusty here at the Car Guys Report uh, studio slash warehouse, so I'm going to go wash my hands. Lou's going to use some of that uh, super clean Arizona but rationed water to wash his hands and we'll be right back after this and friends and everyone at Opi shows want you to make sure to wash your hands and if you're still one of those people who don't wash their hands after they use the bathroom please 
do that now? That's something you should have been doing anyway. I Cover your mouth when you cough. Yeah, yeah. You can save the world by sitting on your ass at home. You cannot afford to miss this opportunity. You won't get another one. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. Stay home. You will be saving the world. This week on Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. Rick, we interview perhaps one of the most dreamy stars from the 1970s. You know him. You love him. He was in Starsky and Hutch. He was in Fiddler on the Roof. We're talking, of course, about Paul Michael Glazer. Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. An Opie show only on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. And we're back here on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, Mark Vernon, along with uh, Lou Costable. And uh, we're at the point in the program where we're just going to talk about one of our famous lists. Now, this is a list. These lists I find online from various sources, just in case you know. They're not always lists that we've made up ourselves. But a lot of times what I do is I'll do a select list of the list that I find because the list that I find may be too long, maybe have some just really obscure cars that were not necessarily imported to the U.S., which wouldn't have a lot of recognition. Um, So I just kind of like mix and match sometimes but this comes from motoring research cars that they say were ahead of their time and i kind of made uh, notes on um what made that car what made that particular car ahead of its time and then i added a couple of other uh cars that i would have had on the list that weren't on the list but i'll just start at the top this is in no order of, of make or model or year or anything like that Lou, this is another car that you never see anymore on the road. The AMC Eagle, the 4x4 quote-unquote car that came out in 1979. Basically, it was a body-on-frame station wagon. They also made, I believe, after that, a 4x4 AMC Spirit. But the Eagle was a big car. It was plopped on a, a basically a, a Jeep chassis. I think it was pretty much what it was. Four-wheel drive, tons of ground clearance, way ahead of its time because they didn't have any such thing as a production four-wheel drive uh, car that you could buy from a dealer. And they definitely have a following, too. They're, they're actually pretty cool cars when you do see them. And um, that was from 1979, so that's a good 41 years uh, past. So that was uh, ahead of its time with the use of four-wheel drive in a uh, passenger car sedan. Of course, the Corvair was ahead of its time being a rear-engine, air-cooled, American-made car. Of course, the uh, Porsche 911 and the 356 were out at the uh, the same time as the Corvair. But um, as far as an American car, it was the only rear-engine, air-cooled car that uh, I think... Actually, I, I think that's the only rear-engine, rear-engine, air-cooled U.S. make because Franklin made air-cooled cars back in the 20s and 30s, but those were front-engine. They weren't rear-engine, rear-drive. Unless I'm mistaken, I think the Corvair was the only rear-engine air-cooled car made here in the U.S. The Chrysler Airflow from the 30s, a very aerodynamic car. That was ahead of its time for design of uh, airflow uh, aerodynamic uh, advantages to the car. Uh, Here's another cool car that was way ahead of its time in many ways, the Citroen DS. Now, that's that classic, I I don't know what people call it when they see it. It was so far ahead of its time as far as the shape, the aerodynamic shape of it. Came out in 1955 originally and lasted all the way through about 19, I want to say like 1970 or even a little past that. Uh, It was the precursor to the Citroen DS was the Citroen Traction Avant, which was a front-wheel drive car too. And that was ahead of its time because of the time that was being front-wheel drive in the late uh, 40s, early 50s. But what made the Citroen DS... Uh, ahead of its time was its hydraulic uh, suspension and its use of hydraulics, pneumatics, to uh, jack the uh, car up and down uh, hydraulically. And it was uh, just a, an amazing car. And uh, Lou, one of my uh, good friends who's also a, an auto uh, mechanic, he owns a shop. He's got three Citroen DSs that he has restored, and they're all beautiful. 
They're all, yeah, they're cool. He's got one that's black with a red interior. He's got one that's kind of a champagne color with kind of a beige interior. And then he's got, um, God, he's got another one. I can't remember even what that one looks like right now. But he restores them himself, and he's almost kind of like an expert on them now because he's done so many of them. But they're really cool cars. They have self-centering steering because of the hydraulics. So if if you're in park and you turn the wheels and you let your hand off the the wheel, the wheel will tend to want to go back to its, its proper position. Instead of a brake pedal, it's got like this little rubber ball on the floor, which is actually your, your brake pedal. It's got the three-position um, uh, air suspension on, or the pneumatics. It's not air suspension. It's pneumatic suspension. Or not pneumatic, I'm sorry. It's hydraulic suspension. And if you're traveling on like rutted roads, you can set it to the higher setting and the thing jacks up automatically. It's just really, really it was like futuristic at the time that those cars came out. So and those cars have definitely picked up in the collector market as well lately. Uh, do you remember the GV, GM EV1 that came out in 1996? They leased them in California. Do you remember that, the EV1? Do you remember that one, Lou? Uh, I'm thinking of the EV110E from Bugatti. What, what was it? What the was it EV, EV1 oh, electric vehicle one. one. Yeah, it was GM's uh, first attempt at a production electric car. 1996 was the year. And apparently wow. there's yeah. there was a documentary about that, too, where they... Apparently that they they took them all back from lease and they like destroyed them all or something like that. There's there's a lot of controversy about that car. Yeah, before we go before we go too far off the Citroen, um, just a quick quick update. Two weeks ago, well now it'll be by the time this airs it'll be two months ago. But uh, Jay Leno did a 1972 Citroen SM. Yeah, the with the Maserati yeah. engine. And it was a 32 minute video. Yeah. So they really talked about showed the the you know the hydraulics and the brake pedal you're talking about and things like that. It's a really unique, different experience, and he really enjoys it. So take a look at that too. Yeah, they are. They're 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 awesome, and that also back, had the back, uh, to the back to the EV. Okay. Yeah, I did, you know, there's this controversy about that car, and there was some book or or uh, I think it was a documentary about how that car ended up getting killed off and why GM didn't pursue it and everything like that. And I don't remember all the particulars. I know that didn't, you know, that was 1996. So it wasn't going to have the computing power that, you know, Tesla is basically a rolling computer. As almost all cars are now, but but just the, the the energy management and everything back then wasn't up to what it would have been, and I don't know what kind of range they had, but uh, just an interesting vehicle, but it just shows that they were ahead of their time as far as trying to make a production electric vehicle. The Jensen FF, which was uh, a car that was ahead of its time, was a Jensen Interceptor, but it was called the FF for Ferguson all-wheel drive or four-wheel drive. And that car also had uh, Dunlop uh, anti-lock brakes on it. So that car was, I think, nineteen late 60s, I believe, when the Jensen FF came out. They didn't make too many of them, but that had two very serious things to it, the ABS and the all-wheel drive combined in one car back in the late 60s. So that was definitely ahead of its time. The Lamborghini Miura was considered the first true supercar due to its mid-V12 mounted engine. And those cars are just drop-dead gorgeous right now. I mean, you look at a car that is 50-plus years old, and it has just aged. It really hasn't aged. It's just still a beautiful, timeless, classic design. And you need about a million to a million and a half to think about acquiring one of those these days. Let me go out on a limb here, Lou. I don't want to mean to. I don't mean to put you on the spot. Is there a Lamborghini Miura on your channel? Yes. Wow! There you go. Awesome. Wow. Yeah, we we came through on that one. I just, as a matter of fact, I'm seeing how many there are on there. Um, I need to spell Miura right. M I U. M I U R A. There's, there's two of them on the channel, and sadly, both of them have been early videos. One okay, okay. March 22nd, 2004, 
Uh, I'm sorry, 2014. <laughs> That's really early for you there, 2014. Yeah, that, was really early. that was before I even yeah. had a camera. <laughs> and, and then uh, uh, that video is sadly only five minutes and 41 seconds, which means it was in my I'm too nervous to sit in your yeah. car yeah. point. Um, and we talked about that in the last channel. And then I was at uh, RM Auction, and I did a minute and 12 seconds about a Lamborghini Miura 71. Okay. So, um, uh, I'm just checking both of those because they're both real. So, so the bottom line is I got to find myself another mirror soon. Please, if you have a mirror, what's the uh, Car Guys report? It's Car Guys report at hotmail.com. Lou wants your Lamborghini Miura. <laughs> yeah, we need the, we need your mirror. We need to do an updated version. We need a ride. We didn't have a ride in that mirror. So, the only uh, the only mirror I ever had, I did have a Matchbox Lamborghini Miura back in the day, and I wish I still had it because it's probably a, a pretty collectible little Matchbox. And um, yeah, that was it's just a beautiful car. They're 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 really cool. I'd, I'd love to see a, a a more modern Lou video of the Miura. So let's see what happens with that. Got a few more on the list here, Lou. This is cars that were ahead of their time, according to Motoring Research. The Mercedes-Benz 300 SL Gullwing. That car was ahead of its time just for the Gullwing doors, and also just, I think it was one of the car earlier cars that had um, uh, fuel injection on it, obviously, in 1955. Uh, basically, a race car, had disc brakes, had a lot of cool stuff on it, but the Gullwing doors were the things that people remember. A couple of oddballs on the list, a Peugeot 401 Eclipse. This is a car that I talked about way back in the early days of the Car Guys Report. came out in 1935, Lou, and it was actually had a retractable hardtop. So it even predates the 1957 Ford Skyliner. A Peugeot 401 Eclipse in 1935, having a retractable hardtop. And then the Renault 16, which is a car that was sold here in the U.S. Uh, you don't see them. You didn't see them too much uh, when they were sold here. You certainly don't see them now. But in 1965, it was considered the first family hatchback. It was basically the classic family hatchback five-door design. So it was a four-door sedan with a hatchback on it, rear seat folded down, plenty of room. And my uh, good uh, late friend, uh, Monty Tarr, owned a Renault 16. He had a 1971, and uh, when I first got to know him well over 35 years ago, he still had that car. And it was a light green. I never drove it, but it was a really neat-looking car. And if you ever get a chance to check out a Renault 16, definitely do it because it's uh, got that funky French uh, utility to it. Great ride, front-wheel drive, tons of room. What was your late friend's name? It's Monty Tarr, T-A-R-R. He should have had a Chevy and drove a Monte Carlo. Yeah, well, he did have, have, and and this is, um, he passed away about two years ago. And, um, you know, it was was very unfortunate because he was one of my my car mentors, I guess I would would call him. He had uh, a 1959 Saab GT750, which was a Saab 93, but it was a GT750, which was the the sport model. And at that time, it was basically almost like a factory rally car. It came with the Halda Speed Pilot. It had still had the the headrest for the pa- for the navigator, who was the, the the passenger. The navigator had a headrest. The driver didn't. Um, he had an all original one. It had suicide doors. Super super rare to the fact. I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on the Car Guys Report or not, but this was back in 1987. He donated that car to the Saab Museum in Sweden because they wanted to get a GT750 for their collection, and they couldn't even find one in Sweden. And they somehow got his name, and he had, like, the most original one that they could find anywhere, and he donated the car to the museum. And and as far as I know, it's still in the museum because the museum almost went out of business, almost had to close a few years ago when Saab... uh, basically, you know, stopped production, stopped being a car company. And I think that there was donations and things that kept the museum going. But as far as I know, that car is still in the Saab Museum. It's, there's a plaque saying he donated it and everything. It's a very, very cool story. And I actually got to and I actually got to drive that car too back in the day when he still had it. And the only two stroke car I've ever driven and it's just 
it was so cool. <laughs> it was really, really neat. So we'll have to talk more about that at some future point in, on the Car Guys Report. But then one other car, uh, Lou, that's uh, on this list of cars that were ahead of their time, and again, this is a car that I have personal experience with, too, was the Toyota RAV4. It was the first, basically the first crossover uh, SUV that was uh, made, came out in 1996 from Toyota. And when I met my girlfriend almost 17 years ago, that's what she was driving. She was driving a 1996 RAV4. Hers was a four-door, uh, front-wheel drive. She did not have all-wheel drive on it, but it was a great car uh, for her for the, let me see, she bought it brand new, and she kept it up until about 2011. At that point, she had two hundred, a little over 200,000 miles on it, sold it to my cousin, who put on another like 40,000 miles on it, and the car was so reliable. We took it on a cross-country trip out, of, out to Santa Fe, New Mexico, uh, about 14 years ago, rolled on like 3,500 miles. It was just a great car, and she really loved it. And it just proved, you know, Toyota reliability. And that was basically the car that started the whole crossover craze. So um, that definitely has a, a spot on the list. And then we we would be remiss not to include the Tucker 48 on the list of cars that were ahead of their time. Uh, too many innovations to, to even think about. Rear, rear, I was saying that the Corvair was the only rear engine air-cooled car. Then, of course, the Tucker, of course, had a rear engine air-cooled uh, uh, engine, too, designed to have, like, what, four or six bolts on it holding it in so you could drop it for service. And they even talked about giving you a replacement engine while your engine was being serviced. It had the uh, padded safety cell drop-down design and had the uh, uh, headlight that would, would go with the steering wheel and just all kinds of things. And I know there's at least one Tucker on your on your channel, too, and hopefully you've covered some of those uh, ahead-of-their-time features on that car. We do have a couple of dull wings on the channel, and uh, we have Preston Tucker's Tucker. Tucker, yeah, that's cool. That is amazing. And, um, yeah, just a, a very neat car. I, I want to add two cars to the list here. Of course, I'm being biased because, you know, I'm a Saab guy. Um, I wanted to uh, add the Saab 96 and the Saab 99 to cars that I felt were ahead of their time. The Saab 96 ahead of its time just because of the fact that it was a very aerodynamic car, even going back to the Saab 93. Super aerodynamic, front-wheel drive. The Saab 96 had front disc brakes way before a lot of cars had front disc brakes. And then I added the Saab 99 into that list because it had heated front seats. It had fuel injection. It was front wheel drive. It had safety cell construction. And that was a car that was uh, sold first in 1969 and continued all the way through 1980, the Saab 99. So Again, I think that car had a lot of firsts going for it or cars or features that not necessarily first, but a bunch of features combined into one car that I felt made it uh, ahead of their time. So do you have any uh, final thoughts on the list or any cars that you thought should be added into the list, uh, cars that were ahead of their time in one way or another? Um, you know, one car, one car I kind of think about that's kind of ahead of its time was the Jaguar. I think it was called the XJ220. Oh, yeah. It, a, mm -hmm. it, looked like, it looks like a spaceship. Oh, yeah. But uh, um, other than that, I think uh, I think you you know other than some kind of prototypes or concept cars, I think that that's that's great. And the XJ220, that's an interesting car because originally, and that, that that's another car that's kind of mired in controversy. Um, they do show up at auction from time to time. Uh, that car is a, uh, I believe it's got a twin turbo V6 in it. I know it's got a V6. I think it's turbo twin turbocharged. I'm not a hundred percent positive on that, but I think that when they're originally selling that car or starting to talk about selling it that uh to generate generate initial interest before they decided to put it into production they um were saying that it was going to have a v8 or a v12 or something and then they ended up making it a v6 and that kind of curtailed some of the uh the enthusiasm for it but if my memory serves me correctly uh, again, this is just a little interesting aside. The car, that car, the XJ220, 
was built in a Bloxham, England, which was the town where the factory was. And that's where the my Aston Martin DB7 was built. All the DB7s were built in Bloxham. And then once and once production of the DB7 ended, they closed the factory. So this is kind of an interesting, you know, aside there because that makes sense because you know Ford owned Jaguar at the time and they had this this factory that I, I guess was not being used and, and they wanted to ramp up production because at the time my DB7 was the most mass produced Aston Martin. They made a total of something like forty five hundred of them over a uh, like a seven or eight year stretch. And of course, they've made more than forty five hundred cars a year now. But at the time, it was the most mass produced thing. So, just a a quick little aside that you brought up the XJ two twenty. I just had to go down that detour there, Lou, and get off on a tangent as you are are famous for doing from time to time as well. We hope you uh, are enjoying the Car Guys Report, uh, Informed Automotive. Be sure to tell a friend to listen to our podcast. We certainly would uh, enjoy that. We're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music Podcasts, Amazon Audible, uh, Android, Stitcher, TuneIn, Blueberry, iHeartRadio. You get the picture. We are everywhere. You can also uh, go to opishows.com. You can go to radiomisfits.com. You can just go to Google and type in Radio Misfits or Opie or Car Guys Report, and you'll find us. It's that easy. And when you listen to our program, please subscribe. You'll get an automatic push notification when there's new content, which is every Tuesday. And while you're listening, too, if you could give us a couple more reviews for Apple Podcasts, we certainly would enjoy seeing a couple more positive reviews of our podcast on Apple Podcasts. That would be just dandy. And remember, when you're listening to podcasts on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, it's listening on your own terms and on your own device, your phone, your tablet, your laptop, your desktop maybe you're in your car you're listening an apple car player android auto maybe you're in the park maybe you're in your home office maybe you're taking a break from a zoom meeting maybe you're walking the dog maybe uh, you're doing whatever you can listen to us anytime anywhere that's the beauty of podcasting you can fast forward rewind replay delete do whatever you want that's podcasting the radio misfits way and remember all our podcasts are free this is the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Mark Vernon, along with Lou Costable, thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. And, Lou, I know you're just champing at the bit to get to your favorite part of every one of our uh, podcasts, the My Car Story with Lou Car Guys Report guessing game. Tell us how it works. Well, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, I have a YouTube channel called My Car Story with Lou, and there's 1,500 cars on there, and I take... Uh, cars from a couple of months ago that I videoed, and I let them percolate a little bit, get a little time to get some views, and then Mark has to guess the cars in order of the most views. Now, he obviously hasn't seen this list, and uh, I I give the cars in the order by the oldest year first, and uh, that's no indication of which one is the most views or the least amount of views, etc. So you could video the cars yourself and have the exact same cars, and they would have different results, of course, than I would, but uh, that's how the game is played. So these three cars today, first, second, and third place order, we're starting with the number one car. No, I shouldn't do that. That's that, First of all, that's no indication <laughs> of the cars in, in their ranking. We'll start by, by the oldest year. So we're going to go with the oldest year is 1963, 64, and 67 Corvettes. Oh, wow. Red, red, white, and blue. This was the July 4th edition. And uh, there are three of them, 63, a 64, and a 67, all red, white, and blue. Uh, it was the three different colors of those cars. So it was an uh, uh, Independence Day edition. The one uh, in that same week was a uh, um, uh, 72 American Motors AMC AMX Javelin and Red Resto Mod. Yep. And there was my 19, excuse me, my 2006 Dodge Viper. I did an extensive video, a 19-minute video on that. So uh, I hadn't videoed that car in a while. So I decided to show, because people were asking, Lou, what are you driving? I said, let me do a, a more extensive video on that. So in order... The 63, 64, 67 Corvettes in red, white, and blue. The 72 American Motors AMC AMX Javelin Resto Mod in red. 
and the my 2006 Dodge Viper SRT 10 Coupe in blue. Well, you, I think you've stacked the deck here because you said that the, the red, white, and blue Corvettes, you actually did one video on three different cars, correct? I did one uh, Independence Day 4th of July video, and there was no better way to do a 4th of July video than to have red, white, and blue Corvettes. Corvettes, yeah. All on, all uh, on one video. I'll, I'll fall for the... <laughs> I'll fall for the uh, the setup here and say that has to be number one, just because it's too epic to to say that it wouldn't gotten uh, gotten more views than anything else because it's just too too much of a spectacle there. Red, white, and blue Corvettes in one video, three of them. So I'll go with that number one. And um, let me see, you videotaped your own car, so you might be a little biased there. Um, I'm gonna no no uh, not to diminish your Viper there, Lou, but I'm gonna go with the Javelin second and the Viper third. Well, you are correct that the Viper did come in third. Really? Okay. And the, you mean that the the Javelin beat the Corvettes? The Javelin was the number one video and beat three C2 Corvettes. Wow. So and and this is the oddity of it is is that I would have done the same thing you did I would have picked the exact same order, um, but uh, the winner was with five thousand eight hundred seventy six views was the seventy two AMC AMX Javelin in red. Wow. The second place was the red white and blue Corvette and it was on a holiday so people were available to watch with forty two hundred ninety six views. And in last place, sadly, is my Viper with 2,614 Huh. Wow. And you weren't bummed out about that, that your car came in last? Well, I, I videoed it a couple of times, so if people have seen it before, I, you know. But but I, I will say that every video, I've done, I think, three videos on it, one in 2014, one in 2016. And it had been four years since I videoed it. And uh, I, I will say that uh, uh, the editing skills are very different from 2016 to 2018 because number one there was no editing skills in 2016 so um we would do a one and done take as i like to call it but uh so so i you know edited it and put in the trunk and treats and took a ride in it and got people to see it going past you and i thought it would do a lot better and uh, it was uh, two days before the fourth of july video and um it just didn't go anywhere huh okay why do you think the javelin beat the 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 trio of vets um, I think the Javelin was the winner because American Motors cars have a uh, a real following. Mm-hmm. So when I toss an American Motors car up, it's unique, it's different, it's something you don't see every day. Uh, and it turns out that cars that you don't see every day, you mentioned in a, in a past episode, your your cousin-in-law's Buick, a 61 or 61 Buick. Bob Bonneville, yeah. That you just don't see. And yeah. when, they, you know, when they see something they haven't seen... Uh, speaking of the last episode, we talked about a uh, a, a Vega, a 73 Vega with 5,401 original miles on it that is 50,000 views, which would destroy all three of these cars <laughs> I just talked about. So, um, you know, you just never know. Uh, I, I'm out there on the search. I do what I think are some of the best cars I see out there and cars I think that are going to do great. Occasionally they do, and other times cars like that Vega will just surprise you. Yeah, you never know. As as an interesting note, and I just thought about this as we're talking, the same day I videoed the Vega was the same day I videoed the AMC uh, um, that we're talking about now that won. Uh, And just, you know, as a heads up, I mean, you know, this was the winner with 5,400 views or so, um, excuse me, 5,800 views. And, you know, again, the, the Vega has 50,000 views, so it's 10 times more popular than that one. So speaking, of, speaking of red, white, and blue patriotic American Motors cars, do you have a Rambler Scrambler on the I, channel? Yes, I do. Red, I, white, I, and blue? I, it, yeah, it is red, white, and blue. Cool. There's, also the red, there's also the red, white, and blue Rebel Machine, yep. that you'll remember, yep. now that you're talking about it. And I also have a red, white, and blue... Uh, AMC Trans Am, which was the uh, the Javelin, the or not the Javelin, the AMX that was the, in for the Trans Am series. Okay, and I think they only made a hundred of those. Was that Dan Gurney that drove that or not? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, 
that uh, somehow rings a bell. But again, I'm not an expert on on racing, so that kind of rings a bell. But why do you know why American Motors made a bunch of those red, white, and blue uh, liveries for their cars? And was it just kind of like a theme that they glommed onto? Well, their their uh, their logo was uh, red, red, white, white and blue, blue. Yeah. So their their badging. So you know they were obviously uh, American Motors, and whenever they could get the, this is my opinion. I don't have any facts to base this on, but if that was the color of their logo, and whenever they could get that, you know, American theme going, uh, they just felt that was the right thing to do. So they threw red, white, and blue on a few cars and made that their colors. Yeah, well, they're also the ones that brought us the Levi's edition Gremlin and the Oleg Cassini Matadors, and seems like they they always wanted to try to be doing something different to uh, try to you know get those sales and everything so hats off to them and it makes our car guy world uh that much more entertaining at least 50 years on too but if you haven't checked out lou's uh youtube channel it's called my car story with lou 1500 plus uh, great car videos eighty-five thousand subscribers and we do the car guys report guessing game on uh, each and every episode of the car guys report whenever lou is here which is most of the time but coming up on the next episode of the car guys report Lou is still going to be in Arizona or wherever he's going to be, and I'll be taking the reins solo as I talk with our special guest, Don Kreinbrink, auction enthusiast. Have uh, We'll have just a great conversation with uh, Don about uh, wacky, interesting cars, uh, things that happen at auctions, all kinds of stuff. That is coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report. I'm Mark Vernon, along with Luke Hostable. Thanks so much for having taken us along for the ride on this episode of the Car Guys Report. Certainly appreciate having had you along for the ride. And special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasano with OpiShows.com. Opie is hippo, spelled backwards, O-P-P-I-H shows.com. It's distributed by Ed Silha with Radio Misfits. Great Talk Radio isn't dead, it just moved to a better place, and that would be RadioMisfits.com. This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The proceeding was a presentation of OPI Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including OPIShows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Old Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? On this week's Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. A partying Hungarian politician. A town in Austria with an unfortunate name. The 12 teen days of Christmas. COVID loopholes. And Rick's brush with Larry King. All that in unlimited tangents on this week's Minutia Men. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, it's special guest Don Kreinbrink talking auctions, cool cars, and much more. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me for this very special episode with guest Don Kreinbrink on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.